everything's named after sweets. Even one of the foes they run into is the gummy bear. <laughs> the gummy bear. Who has no teeth. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, cute. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And this one definitely is books plural, because we've got four people in the studio today. So apart from Katie and me, Donald and Erlene are joining us on this show, and we're going to be talking about a sampling of graphic novels. That's right. So four people times three books. How many is that? Too late. Let's go. (laughs) So that being said, um, actually multiply. (laughs) Oh, the pressure of math. (laughs) The math surprise math too. (laughs) Anyway, so a lot of our listeners may not realize, but we actually have three different graphic novel collections. We've got a set for children, a set for teens, and a set for adults. And we started realizing as we were recommending books to each other that books from those collections have very distinct feels about them. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to give each, our listeners a sampling from each collection and kind of talk about some of the themes that we noticed. Yeah. So that being said, we're going to start by talking about the children's graphic novels. And I don't know about you guys, I do kind of want to talk about a broad theme first before we mm-hmm. talk about, you know, the specific books that we chose for ourselves. One thing I noticed as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to read was you had a really wide array of either super fun like whimsical titles that were Mm -hmm. about really goofy things like garlic and the vampire or the one i'm going to recommend is cucumber quest uh, playful stuff or you had really heavy topics like Mm -hmm. you're following children that are refugees from a war-torn country or you're following a kid whose parents are getting a divorce and he's trying to sort out his feelings as now he's having to live in two places rather than one so i don't know did you guys notice any other themes as you were trying to shop that collection Okay, so like, no, I didn't because what I did, excuse me, this is Erlene. Um, What I did was I just grabbed something. I did not want to, because I'm so critical, I'm working on me, you know, (laughs) I'm working on me. But I just wanted to grab when it came to the juvenile section. I said, let me just go to graphic and just grab. And Mm -hmm. I grabbed, I'm really happy with what I grabbed. But I will say, though, I've noticed just in... Helping people, the themes that you're speaking of, even in other books, it's either very heavy or very whimsical, very life-changing how to deal with certain things. So I will agree with that overall in the in the kids section that there's there's these themes of coping that's really mm-hmm. heavy on friendship, relationship, a divorce, um, sexuality, whatever it may be. You're finding it a lot where you're trying to t- figure out how do I talk to my kid about this? Yeah. Here's a book. Go read it. You walk <laughs> <Yeah>. away. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, but everything else I just grabbed. I recommend one would recommend it. I just grabbed something and went from there. So I would say that, and I think this counts for books that are like on the more whimsical side too. Uh, in the juvenile section of our graphic novels, it seems like the overarching theme is something that makes a lot of sense for the age range. Um, but understanding like your place in your family, understanding your place in relationship with other people, like your friendships, navigating all of those relationships, whether they be fun and whimsical and about, you know, poop and <laughs> and all of that stuff, which which I assume yeah. is in a number of the children's graphic novels, uh, or if they're more serious and they're about like heavy topics, but about like how to approach that with the people like in your life. 
Um, but it makes sense for the for the age range that that is going to be something that we see a lot. The the idea of like figuring out your place, your role in your family. In those different groups, yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I really did appreciate about, especially the more whimsical titles, uh, most of them have just something to do with food. Yeah, so they're all, a lot of food related. Garlic and the Vampire, we had, uh, I had Donut the Destroyer, you had Cucumber <laughs> Quest. <laughs> Donut the Destroyer. <laughs> there were just a lot of like food related things. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Yes, it, it, it was fun being the inner kid again and just, you know, seeing these food people oh one of my favorites was um the first cat in space ate pizza and that was just fully just like speculative fiction definitely sci-fi it was very fun (laughs) and apocalypse taco is also apocalypse taco see (laughs) just food everywhere go check that out you know I will say the the book that I chose uh is ghosts by Raina Telgemeier um one of our most popular like checkouts in the library not ghost specifically but but reina telgemeier uh she also does the babysitters club graphic novel series um, drama drama very important <laughs> drama and smile <laughs> yes all of those sisters things like that um ghost is one that i really liked and it's a perfect for the spooky season uh because it is about a girl who is upset with her family because they have to move um, to a different climate. So they they stay in California, but they move north? South? I can't remember. <laughs> it was, it was in a direction. <laughs> they move in the opposite direction uh, than they were. Um, so she has to leave all her friends behind. And I think she is, uh, she's probably like a, like a 13, 14 age range, whereas her um, sister is seven or nine in that age range. And she is very angry. She's mad because she left everyone she knows, her whole family, and it was just because her sister's illness. Um, but they are learning about uh, Dia de los Muertos while they're there because it is that that season. Um, and they're able to see ghosts. And these ghosts kind of help her come to terms with like a lot of the anger she's feeling because it's at her sister, but at the same time she feels guilty because her sister is sick. So she's like, am I even allowed to be angry at her? Um, So it's a really interesting look at like her relationship and also her understanding that some of her anger is, is not about moving. Like some of it is about like something deeper than that. She didn't even realize she was feeling. And the idea of grieving someone like before they've even left, um, Especially, like, someone who's younger than you, like, also doesn't have any control over their life. Um, But it was really a lovely tale. And a reason I really like it, uh, her sister has cystic fibrosis. And cystic fibrosis is actually what my aunt had. Uh, She was very lucky in that she got late-onset cystic fibrosis, which comes when you're around 50. Um... I think it's something like 80 or 90% of cases are when you're a child and you usually don't live past your teens. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's very bad. So it was just really interesting. Like, I had never seen anything that talked about cystic fibrosis because it's not, I mean, (laughs) I don't want to say it's not a popular illness, but it's not the weird depiction of cancer as this, like, romantic disease, kind of like tuberculosis used to be. It's real rough. Good book, though. Juvenile fiction. Nice book. (laughs) Juvenile fiction. There you go. (laughs) Anyone else? I really, what I really like about juvenile fiction is that it's a more, a more sincere story about like emotions and like how we're feeling. Mm -hmm. Uh, With teen fiction, it's very cynical. And adults rarely ever talk about their feelings. They usually talk about things that happen to them. But in juvenile fiction, it's very much about.
about like what are you feeling yeah, what's making you feel based. this way and then like how can we talk about that mm-hmm. and i i love that because i love feelings so even the food ones like you were even talking the food about ones, yeah. um garlic and the vampire mm-hmm. you were talking about how like garlic was upset because like no one thought garlic was important yeah. so garlic decides to do something brave and, yes like, and it's just like even the food ones they're like and it's about, <laughs> it's <laughs> about learning who you are and yeah. being brave <laughs> um, so the book that i had was my Own World by Mike Holmes. Um, and this one is a portal fantasy, so I really liked it. This kid, he is kind of like the underdog, maybe like the black sheep of the family. He has an older brother who's like good at everything. He is like the first, he's like the oldest child and he's the golden son. Um, and so like he is just looking for a place to have his own space and have some like safe space. What I liked about their story was that they were actually like friends. The, the two brothers actually got along and they actually liked each other. I love stories like that where siblings are like they're siblings and so they fight but you know siblings still love each other and i like mm-hmm. that the younger sibling finds out is or overhears his parents talking about is that his older brother is his older brother is getting sick um and they don't know what kind he doesn't understand what kind of sickness yeah. he just knows that his, his older brother is changing and he doesn't know how to deal with that so he starts to get like really anxious and really nervous and like you know scared and he finds this portal um while he was running away from uh this bully that had been like chasing him down and he found this portal um and in this portal he gets into this world that's like completely black um, um, but there's this pool of light, this red light, and he can reach his hand in there and pull out this glowing orb that he can use to build several like inanimate things in the world that he can kind of manipulate with his mind. Um, so that was super fun because he just gets to create his own safe space in a time when he really needed it and just kind of like live in that space. And let's say if he left the portal, right, a minute maybe would have passed in real time. And so he could like spend his whole life in there. But it was really kind of like bittersweet because you realize he's just using it to kind of avoid what's happening mm. with uh, with the family mm. and with his brother. And like once he leaves the portal, he still has to deal with that. And things aren't good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was a lot of um, him realizing that he can't run away from those issues or those feelings and having to and being able to talk about that with the adults in his life. It reminds me of Spiderwick Chronicles. Oh my God, Spider Chronicles or Bridge of Terabithia? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bridge of Terabithia, mm-hmm. because the end of that one it presents itself as a wonderful fantasy story, right? And then death, <laughs> and then death happens. Oh my God! <laughs> and then everyone is heartbroken. Yes. Oh, <laughs> All right, and from there I can talk about my book, which does not have any dark or heavy themes in it whatsoever. It a nice is change of pace. Yes, it is a Cucumber Quest, and it is a world that's set. Um, in the Donut Kingdom, and all of the characters are rabbits. But we're not talking like realistic watership down rabbits or they anything. They look like little people. Yes, the they do. Is. And they are very, very cute. The art style is super sweet and very the, silly. The character on the front reminds me kind of of um, Astro Boy. A little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of that like early, early anime, like helmet hair, but like in a really cute little like childish way. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... Usually I'm not very much of a fantasy reader because I don't have time for intricate world building or anything. And I think with graphic novels, you get to skip a lot of that because you can illustrate it Mm -hmm. and you can see everything like right there front and center for you. Anyway, the characters in Cucumber Quest are Cucumber, who is a boy who just got accepted into this really well-renowned wizarding school. He's actually supposed to start that day when he gets a letter from his father that doesn't make a lot of sense, but basically he's talking about how the Donut Kingdom is in danger and he is the one that can save it now 
lots of pressure for a nerdy kid who really just wants to study books. But his sister, Almond, is like over the moon because she's very excited to finally have a chance to go be heroic. So she's kind of like steamrolling him into following through with this quest. I'm picturing Tiny Almond just like, no, do it, do it, do it. Basically, (laughs) that is their dynamic. (laughs) So the threat to the kingdom is Queen Cordelia has usurped the throne and she's attempting to summon the Nightmare Knight. And the way she's going to do that is by collecting these stones and once she's collected all of them the nightmare night is going to set forth and start wreaking havoc on the kingdom it reminds me a little bit of thanos but you know a very very tamed down version (laughs) love me some thanos and (laughs) cucumber is supposed to go find the dream sword yes to vanquish the Nightmare Knight. Interestingly enough, Almond is so determined to face a worthy st- worthy foe that she actually gives away the last stone so that the knight can be summoned. Just demon child. Yes. <laughs> was yes, coming from inside the house all along. It's, it's always your own people, man. <laughs> this is a very, very fun and playful book, but it still touches on some pretty heavy issues like family expectations as well yeah. as like roles. Because another theme that you see repeated multiple times through the book is that little sisters aren't legendary heroes. And you have Cucumber trying to say, well, honestly, I think my sister would enjoy this more than me. But everybody keeps throwing it back on him like it's something mm-hmm. that he is supposed to do. As an adult, one thing I really appreciated about this was it has a lot of kind of adult jokes in it that would go over kids' heads. It's kind of like the best cartoons that you watch where you actually still enjoy it because they put some things in there that only grownups would really enjoy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It sounds really cute, though. It is adorable. Uh, I wish I could show this on the podcast, but it's even got character cards where you can see their stats and see like (laughs) three key items in their inventory. That's very cute, especially knowing that like there's like a quest and a battle. It's very like role play game. Exactly, but intro to it. Yeah, I like the art in the book as well. There aren't a very there aren't a lot of like hard lines in there, so yes. it lends itself better to that like video game style. There, not smudgy, but like it. The shape ends at the color change, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's no, there's no <laughs> comic lines yes. or anything. Yeah. And back to the whole food theme thing, I, it is kind of that way because like everything's named after sweets. Even one of the foes they run into is the gummy bear. <laughs> the gummy bear. Who has no teeth. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, cute. He's gummy. Oh, gummy. Gummy okay. bear. <laughs> okay. I, like I would that. also like to say if the, if the Nightmare Knight has a horse, is it the Nightmare Nightmare? Ah. Oh, that would be funny. Probably, but that is the only criticism I have about this book is it ends on a cliffhanger. And I really do like graphic novels to have a contained story, even if the arc is continued elsewhere. I hate it when things just end on a cliffhanger. So, Erlene, you were talking about just going in blind and grabbing a book. What book did so you grab? So, I went in blind and I grabbed um, Camp by Kayla Miller, and she illustrated it as well. Oh, and wow. And this is about Olive and Willow, and they're going off to camp for the very first time. Not sure what that age group happens to be, but um, clearly you have Olive, who's extroverted, loves to do sports and all type of things. And Willow is very sheltered, um, has a hover mom who has all her medications sent to the camp for her. Um, she's into magic, but she's really into her books. She's just to herself. Mm-hmm. And as you're going along, they're going to camp together. Even in the car ride to camp, it's early in the morning. All has this dream about they're doing all these great things together. They're in the kayak. They're on the boat, doing all kind of things. And she wakes up. Her brother's like harassing her while she's up. <laughs> like, wake up, Ollie, wake up, you know. We're off to camp. And then um, Willow's sitting in the car just reading a book. 
And the mom's like, okay, Willow, I have your medicine packed for you. I have cards packed for you. You can write us every day. Now, they're only gone two weeks, okay? Like mm. 10 days, 14 days. But you have your cards packed. You write me every day. The camp already has your medicine. You have your inhaler. You have your skincare. All It's like, stop, right? And the other mom's <laughs> like, they're only gone for two weeks. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> all of those moms are like, get out the car. <laughs> get out the car. I'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> so they get there. And if you've ever been to camp, you already know it's a few weeks you're meeting new kids and they have all these activities for you to have a good time with. And Olivia, um, Olive is just ready. I keep calling her Olivia's Olive. She's just ready to go, ready to have a good time. And Willow's just like, can we just sit here and read a book? Can we just do this? Can we just do that? And it's Olive pulling her, pulling her into, well, let's compromise. Let's do this and then we'll do this. It's like, okay, cool. Then they're going to have dinner together. She wants to sit by herself. Willow wants only her and Olive together, no one else. She just mean mugs everyone <laughs> in camp. Like legit, like, you know, like who are these people? But you realize the dynamic of it is, it's this friendship where Willow is very possessive over Olive and Olive. She feels obligated now just to give her all of her time, but yet she's missing out. And then when she misses out, she feels bad because I'm trying to make new friends who are trying to pull me in. And what I loved about it is everyone sees it, but they're not even intervening. No one's telling mm-hmm. her, you don't need to be around her. No one's doing that. They're just letting them navigate what's going on. And so um, at one point in time, they're doing activities and Willow sabotages Olive and her group's activity. And she realizes, oh my God, I broke the, I broke the stuff. There's a photo gets taken where Olive knows who it is, but she can never confront her about it, which makes them separate. It makes them have to find their own groups, do their own things. And finally, Willow starts to interact with other people on her own because she didn't want to do anything. She even mm-hmm. said at one point at the midsummer dance, this young man asked um, Olive to dance. She was like, no. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you know, <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know, I'm trying to you know, meet a little boy. But, um, <laughs> you know, but, but you realize, like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're my friend. She says, you're my friend and mm-hmm. you keep leaving me. And I'm thinking, she has not left you one time. Like, what are you talking about? You share bunks everywhere you're going together. She just like, you keep leaving me. You're my friend. Like, I want to make new friends. And you keep leaving me for your new friends. So she's very possessive. But you can tell she's never learned how to make friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So all of this her only is her whole entire world. And she tells her, I don't know anyone here. Well, you know, you have to get to know people. So they have that type of push and pull. But eventually they kind of reconcile where Olive and Willow sit down and she's like, I, I'm so sorry, Olive, for how I've been acting. I wish I told you earlier how I was feeling. And then Olive's like, I'm so sorry for abandoning you, which when you read it, she never <laughs> abandoned her. But I guess it's that type of, I don't agree with, it just kind of like meeting someone where they are and mm-hmm. acknowledging how they feel. And I'm sorry you felt that way. She did say, I'm sorry you felt that way. So eventually she did have a nice last few days at camp and it's really great for kids because you're trying to teach children about friendship mm-hmm. on both sides of it. How people have other friends, yeah. not yeah. just you, and how you need to get out of your own way and make new friends. And also, you have some friends who are not going to do what you want to do. Don't feel bad to still enjoy life. Mm-hmm. Because I think so many people feel they're leaving their friends behind and they don't really go out and seek other adventures in life thinking, I don't want to leave someone behind. They need to find their own way. And towards the end, Willow found her own way in camp separately. Mm-hmm. So I think in a way they kind of hurt each other. I'm always pulling Willow and Willow's always pulling her down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. 
And it definitely seems important because I think that is just the age where people start changing friend groups and yeah. like getting new friends that are mm-hmm. more about their hobbies and less about like who they live near yeah. or who was in their class. Yeah. But I think it's really important to talk about like codependent friendships because I don't think that's something that people talk about. No, <laughs> no but it's very much a thing. Yeah. 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 yeah it's a and I think it happens more in elementary school mm-hmm. and then junior high, you're playing. If you never Those did things summer break sports, apart. it breaks apart and mm-hmm. you realize how the groups kind of separate. But what I also enjoyed was how they showed the two young women communicating their feelings to each other and working it out. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any arguing or name calling or just breaking up a friendship. It was both of them acknowledging, I acknowledge how you feel. You're acknowledging how I feel. I'm so sorry. Let's not let this break up our friendship. Mm-hmm. And I think it definitely teaches you how, as a young person, to resolve conflict, yeah. not to run away from it. But yeah, no, I think we've covered uh, the whole gamut of children's graphic novel graphic, fiction, I yeah. guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, can we, before we close this particular episode, can we talk a little bit about how adults are portrayed in the different books? Because that's something that's really interesting to see in juvenile fiction. You know, a lot of times they kill off the adults or something like that <laughs> because the you know predominant theory yeah. is that kids only want to read about other kids. So mm-hmm. how did you guys feel in your stories? I didn't have many adults. I just had the two moms driving and then I had the camp counselors who had to have been maybe teens or early 20s. But what what it showed me was you had the stereotypical hover mom with a sickly kid or may have not been sickly. Who knows? (laughs) You trying to say this? But um, and you had the one mom who was real nonchalant and how her daughter mimicked how, you know, her mom's not doing that, not putting a lot of restriction on her. And the other Mm. one has restrictions. So it makes her probably possessive Mm -hmm. the parents in the book there aren't a lot of like scenes with the adults uh they spend a lot of time with their neighbor and ghosts but the adults are kind of seen as like they're they're definitely not like a like a bad force it's just clear that what she is going through she can't explain so she can't really talk to her parents about it because she doesn't even know what she would tell them like i'm mad at my sister because she's sick um isn't really a good like opening line even though it should be like it like you're allowed to feel that even especially as a kid um and that's the perfect time to talk about it because you're not grown up enough to realize that's normal like you you think you're like a monster who uh hates your sister but yeah the parents just seemed kind of removed you have to know how to approach them you have to know how to say say it to them yeah because if you don't know that they won't just know what's going on yeah no uh the adults in my book were they were just kind of like regular parents you know like especially when you're a kid you are around your parents but you don't really understand what they're talking about (laughs) yeah they were removed for the first part but they were there when he needed them so the adults in mine ranged all of them seemed kind of out of touch Mm -hmm. at the very least Uh, lord cabbage who is cucumber's dad is always (laughs) at work and seems primarily motivated by money and is probably manipulative on top of being out of touch Mm -hmm. so that was interesting but i was cracking up especially at the mom because like here cucumber gets that letter saying hey you need to come take care of the kingdom and he doesn't know how to feel about it or anything and he's like but mom i've got school and she's like oh don't worry about it sweetie have fun saving the kingdom bye like (laughs) it reminds me of the pokemon mom like all right go explore you're 13 now yeah (laughs) she wanted a break 
Yeah. <laughs> she wanted a break. That's what that was. Like, <laughs> Luckily, in this country, we can kick him out at, at the age of 13. Yeah. Get him to go train some feral Pokemon. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think, especially with fantasy, that makes sense. Like, a lot of times in, like, more simplistic, like, fantasy or sci-fi you got to have the parent that doesn't care that much because they're getting up to some shenanigans. Yeah, especially because the little sister... Yeah, like, your parent can't be invested because if they would, they would be like, uh, no, you're not going to save the kingdom. Right. That's crazy. You're a child. Also, yeah. you can't train Pokemon. They light things on fire. <laughs> it reminds me of the Gru movie when, you know, showing how Gru... Oh, yeah. Yes. His mom's just like... Where's your son? I don't know. <laughs> yes, that's my responsibility. Like no, you put a hole in my roof. Where's going to buy Tupperware? I'm like, man, where's your son? Where's your son? Like, it's so hilarious. But yeah, I definitely think there is much more now than there used to be a long time ago. And I think it's really nice that like relationships and emotions and how to like understand things that are happening and there's a reason a lot of them are dark because dark things happen and it's better to learn about it in a book and understand like oh i should like if i feel that way i should talk to my mom or my mm-hmm. dad than to feel that way and be like the people in the book who think like well something's wrong with me obviously i just mm-hmm. won't tell anybody <laughs> but yeah this is just the kids graphic novel section and we still have two more sections <laughs> a lot is heavy to overtake exactly and they only get older from here like <laughs> that's right. are, is even if they can get like pretty dark and like juvenile fiction eventually it's like a happy ending because it's it's kids that it's we're kids. talking about yeah. here adults don't get happy endings most of the time um so don't worry so you that's can something have a, to look forward yeah. to <laughs> you can have a happy ending it's okay um so next up teen graphic novels teen graphics and stay tuned next week for more fantastic book recommendations bye